Amen. Well, grab your Bible and open to Nehemiah. We are going to continue in Nehemiah chapter 2. This has been an exciting study for me personally. You know, this is one of those, as a pastor, as you read and study and you prepare to teach and then you come up and and you really just have to cut so much out. So there's so much that I'm cutting out, but this is exciting. Uh, Our first week, we kind of looked at our theme throughout the whole book, really, but it's found in 2 Chronicles where uh, God speaks through his prophet and he says, uh, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth so he can show himself strong in support of the heart that's completely his. So God is scanning the earth, looking for the humble heart, the person that belongs completely to him so he can give his support strongly to that person. Uh, We saw in Ephesians 2.10 that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared for us to do. So We want to do great things for him. It's part of who we are as Christians. God is looking for people that want to do great things for him, for his glory that belong to him. And as those come together, God does great things in this world. You know, God works through his people, not around them. Now, we try and emphasize each week at some point that this is post-salvation. You know, we're saved by faith alone. Uh, God loves us. He chose us. Uh, Nothing about us just because of his love. And so we are secure in our salvation. We are secure in God's love. And now these good deeds that we want to do are just an overflow. You know, when, when God's church, you know, Jesus, he, he spoke about his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's plan for his church is to be like a, a sharp knife through society, through the world, making a great difference, you know, cutting through. But we as a church often become dull. Uh, you know, we become self-centered, we, we become distracted, we listen to the culture, maybe we become too much like the culture, rather than, than being different and making a difference. That's what we want, it's what you want. If you belong to Christ, there's at least a part of you, that's what you want. That's what I, and that, as, as a church, that's what we want. And so we have been looking at Nehemiah, uh, trying to get a, a holy discontent, a godly vision for what God would do. Now, we have those visions as a church, We can also have those as individuals. And so as we have these visions, we work together to complete those, to get those done. Um, And there's kind of a a series, as we see in Nehemiah, steps to get to this holy discontent, beginning uh, with a dislocated heart. We belong to God, basically. We want what he wants more than what we want. We, We Rather than all the worldly things, you know, the American dream gets in the way of this because it's all about us. Rather, we want, uh, we desire his kingdom. But then, you know, our heart starts to break for what breaks his heart. It could be holiness, it will be holiness in our own life, but then also other things. The church will always be part of it if somebody is faithful to scripture, but then specific things like like the halls last week, uh, foster care. Many of us will get a heart for orphans and widows. That's what God will do in and through the people of his church. And now, last week we talked about making a plan. Eventually, as you get this, you need to be able to make a plan. And today, we're going to look at articulating that plan, communicating that plan. So we have a plan, but at some point, these God-centered visions, they need to go public. You know, for God to do great things and then for revival, we're going to see that later in this book. For those things to happen, it's not just one person. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. God will bring others around. And so how do we communicate that vision? And I'm going to talk to kind of two groups today. Some of you have a holy discontent. You're visionaries. You're excited for something. It's on your heart. And for you, this is going to be a helpful outline how you can communicate that to get others on board. 
it will also clarify if you can't communicate it, you know, maybe it needs to adjust. Some of you are going, I, I don't have a vision for something. Guess what? God doesn't give all of us these bold visions. Rather, he made us a body with different gifts and abilities to bring us together. So for you, maybe you need to find, you have something, but you're not the visionary, but maybe you have gifts of, of administration, organization, uh, service, and we can go through the list of gifts that, that are part of the team that are just as important, but then work together to accomplish a God-sized goal. Now, here's my question as we start out this morning. Have you ever heard a vision? You know, you could call it a sales pitch, but we're talking about godly stuff, so it's not a sales pitch. But have you ever heard a vision, and at the end, you're like, I have to be part of that. I mean, I just, I got to drop what I'm doing right now and go help solve whatever this is. Or have you, on the converse, have you heard those, you know, somebody shares what God, they feel God leading them to do, and you're like, I'm not sure you've really thought that all the way through. That doesn't really sound like, like a godly vision or that's not on his heart or you're definitely not the person to carry this out. Today, I want to look at how do we communicate a vision. So look at Nehemiah 2. We're going to start in verse 17. And we're going to see several things. As we read through, watch for this. We're really going to see four steps in communicating a godly vision, a holy discontent. The problem the solution, why, and why now? And we're going to see Nehemiah do this fairly quickly, but there's a lot for us in here if we're going to communicate one. Or if we're looking for something to be involved in, we want to be able to, to judge a little bit. Is this something to put our time and effort into? So look at Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 17. This is you know all the context. You can listen to the podcast from before or watch those sermons. Uh, but Nehemiah is now in Jerusalem. He's traveled to Jerusalem, and he's, he's done all his planning, all his inspection, and he's about to communicate, hey, guys, we're going to build this wall. This is what we're going to do. God wants us to do it, and he's going to communicate this starting in verse 17. Nehemiah says, then I said to them, and this is all those in Jerusalem, you see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may lo no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words of what the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Now we're going to look at some more, but right there in those two verses, there is so much. What's the first thing that Nehemiah does? Now after his planning, you know, after his four months of prayer and fasting, now it's time for him to communicate it. And the first thing, number one, we must be able to articulate the problem. This sounds simple. Uh, here in Nehemiah, verse 17, it says, You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins with the gates burned. That's the first thing. Articulate the problem. And, and again, this sounds simple, but often it's not. Think about this situation in Jerusalem. This wall had been torn down for 140 years. So the people, day in and day out, they got used to this. Their entire lives, if they lived in Jerusalem their entire lives, or those who'd come back, say, 30, 40 years before, they had known nothing else. So all they knew was this pile of rubble as a wall. They had grown apathetic to the situation. Whereas Nehemiah, somebody from the outside, heard, you know, he thought things were good in Jerusalem. He got a report, this is in chapter 1, that the walls are torn down. 
His heart breaks for that because he thought it was different. Then he comes in, and, and you know, as he walked around inspecting it at night, he's like, oh, this is worse than I thought. This is horrible. But those living, they, they couldn't see it. So my point is that if you see a problem, don't assume the rest of us are just stupid because we haven't seen the problem yet. But maybe we need to hear you articulate to us, hey, here's a problem I see. And you may be in a strategic position to do something about it. Just like Nehemiah. You know, he was an official in the Persian king's court. He had a high, he could do something about it. So he could see it and he was in a strategic position. Maybe you're the same. Maybe you see an issue and you're in a strategic position to do something about it. So first we articulate the problem. Here's the second one. Describe the solution and invite others to join. He says this in 17b. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. There it is again. Sounds somewhat simple. And here, this is a little bit simple. We're going to build a wall. Let's go do it. In the same way, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Now, what is a solution? It's the vision. It's the vision of what could be and what should be. So, I mean, I, if I was in Nehemiah's shoes, and good thing I wasn't, but I'd probably say, everybody close your eyes. Imagine all these walls built all the way up. No more rubble. They'd, they would probably just, oh, that'd be great. We'd be safe. You know, it would look so much better around here. Our kids wouldn't get lost in the rubble all the time. But here we, we cast a vision for what could be and what should be. We describe the solution. And we invite others to be part of it. You know, we clearly articulate the goal. So again, here, not, not everybody is a communicator. Not everybody is called to be a leader. This is why, again, we, we need one another. We need to come together and somebody then articulates the problem and then the solution. Now, it doesn't just stop there. As we're going public, we need to be able to be part of the solution. You know, maybe you've heard this, and this is prevalent in church, to communicate a problem and then just walk away, which really sounds more like complaining, rather than I see a problem, and here's a solution, and I, and I want to be part of it. You know, as a pastor, we hear this. You know, people will come up and say, the church should do this. You should do this, and then walk away. And it's like, well, if God has put this on your heart, and you see it so clearly, maybe you're the one to take the reins. Maybe you're the one to take responsibility. And as a church, we want to come around those people. It's not one of those, hey, yeah, go figure it out. Ideally, we can form teams and get in groups and get some of these things done. But we're part of it. So here, you know, uh, here's the solution. You know, come do it with us. But again, you know, your, your vision, what you see, it doesn't have to be original. You know, you can join what somebody else has. If you hear a vision, God leads you to be part of it. That's how God works through his church, through groups. Now, step three, problem, solution, but then the why. And I think this is significant. Communicate why this problem must be solved. And I think a lot of times, this is where you'll discover, is, is your vision, is the thing you think God is leading you to, is it from God or is it from you? Communicate why this problem must be solved. Uh, here, Nehemiah does that in, at the end of verse 17. He says, you know, come, we're going to build that we may no longer suffer derision. That's his why. He gives the reason that we may no longer suffer derision, be held in contempt, uh, be at risk. Again, this wall that Nehemiah wanted to build or have the people build, it wasn't about 
stone and mortar. It was about the glory of God and the benefit of God's people. That's what it was about. That was the why. Not because, hey, walls look cool. Because right now, we as God's people in God's city, people are making fun of us. You know, God's name is being slandered because of this situation. That's why we need to, to build this wall. That's why we need to solve this. So here's the, the question you ask under that is why does this matter to God? You know, whatever the situation is, why does this matter to God? Which means you're going to have scripture to back it up. Because scripture is where we find the heart of God, the things that he desires to do, uh, the things that he wants to accomplish. So why does this matter to God? We, we need to be able to communicate that. You know, last week, we got to hear from Alex and Kelsey, their heart for foster, for foster adopt, for kids that need homes. And they can, you know, why does that matter to God? It is so throughout all of scripture. You know, even Jesus had a stepdad. You know, Joseph adopted him as an, as an earthly dad. And as we look through James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, said true religion in the sight of God our Father is this, that you take care of orphans and widows in their distress. So, so there's the, the why, because God really cares about those in need. And we can go through the list. Is your heart for marriages, healthy marriages? Great, we need that. Why do we need healthy marriages in the church moving out? Because the marriage relationship is probably the best example we have of, of Jesus' relationship with the church anywhere. The, the gospel, you know, Jesus and his church, you see that in a marriage. Is your heart for families? We need that because the family is the building block of all society. We need parents raising up children to go God's way. So is your heart, that could very well be from God and you need to be involved with that. We can go through the list. You know, evangelism. Do you have a heart for the lost? Well, guess what? So does Jesus. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And so part of church life is going, making a difference in the community and sharing Jesus. You know, these are the things. Now, if your vision is, is maybe not found in scripture, you know, my vision is to go build a golf course. Well, you better be able to articulate why that matters to God. Whatever your vision is, we're talking about a godly vision of what God wants to accomplish. And again, it's here where you start to recognize, is this of God or is this really of me? The last thing, and as you see, Nehemiah communicate that, this, the last thing is communicate why now. And I think this is another reason, uh, another significant piece of the puzzle. Why now? The wall had been crumbled for 140 years. Why now? You know, Nehemiah is walking in. Hey, this is a problem. We're going to build it. And this is why. For, for the name of God and for the benefit of, of us, God's people. The people could have said, well, well, why now? What makes right now different than 10, 15, 20 years ago? Well, look at verse 18. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And I said, let us arise and build. So Nehemiah told the story. The story is longer than just this one verse. You know, this is the summary of Nehemiah saying what he told him. But he told the story, you know, probably, of, well, I heard that this was the situation. As I prayed and fasted, God stirred my heart. And then, because I was cupbearer to the king, I had this unique strategic position where if I brought the need to him and he responded favorably, well, we get to hear. So he told the story of going before the king, 
of the king saying, what do you want? He's like, and guess what, guys? I was so bold, I asked for all the timber we would need for all this, and he gave it to me. And he sent all these soldiers, see these soldiers and these horsemen? I didn't even ask for them. He sent them, I mean, he got to share, God is working through the king of Persia right now. He didn't work through the last king in this way. It's time. So why now is an important part uh, of your vision. What makes now a strategic time to accomplish this? You know, again, as we look at, you know, a holy discontent at some point, if it's of God, we, we need to pull the trigger. We need to get involved. Prayer is important, but we don't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. We get involved. And if it's God's timing, he'll provide and he'll move that forward. Now, I got to share as, as a, a church, common ground. You know, why now? Why now do I believe God is putting great things on, on many of your hearts? Because we are in a unique strategic position in Carson City right now. Carson City, Carson Valley, Dayton, we can say this whole area. Why? One, we've got this new building that God provided. I mean, miraculously. He, he provided $800,000 cash in about three or four months' time. That's, I mean, God provided. So God is at work. God is also working in some people. I think Alex and Kelsey are an example. He worked in the, He's doing some things. He's building relationships with some people uh, in the community. Here's another strategic thing we have at Common Ground right now. The number of people who are consistent attenders that, that give and serve, the percentage is way higher than normal national average. We are in a unique position for God to use us to do great things. So do you have something on your heart? Now might be the time. Now might be the time. Be able to articulate this. Fill out the form we showed you last week or we asked you to fill it out last week. If you didn't, fill it out this week. We want to hear how God is moving because now might be the time. Spirits are high. We're getting at the end of this COVID thing, which has been a little bit long and tiring. But, but people are ready to get together. People now who have been cooped up and lonely are maybe open to the gospel open to, to receiving help or getting together. What might God do right now? Don't wait. Again, if it's God's timing, why now? Communicate that. Again, Carson City, our whole area, you know, we're, we're 90 to 95% unchurched. We have a great need in our area to get into our community in our city and make a difference. Now is the time. Now look at the people's response in verse 18. I love it. Let's do it. That's it. Let, let's rise up and build. They, they sat there, they heard, and they're like, yep, we get it. Let's go. And they got involved. They started building. And the whole rest of, of chapter 3, we're going to see kind of the, the outline of this group built here, this group built there, this group built there. But before that, look at verse 19 and 20 because we see the enemies again start to rise up. Verse 19, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, by the way, if you're thinking of kids' names, don't ever use uh, Sanballat or Tobiah. Bad names. Don't use those right here. Um, anyway, <laughs> when they heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you are doing? You are rebelling against the king. Then I replied to them, this is key, I love this, the God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Listen, if God is giving us a vision, and he has given common ground a vision to make a difference here, to see churches planted in communities, we need more churches. We're going to be part of it. Why? 
Because the God of heaven will make us prosper. If it's God's vision, God's work, done God's way, will never lack God's provision. He will make it prosper. And they move to get it done. Now, on your own time, maybe later today, maybe this week, read through chapter 3. It is a list of names. It is a list of people. But it's kind of neat. Because as you see the, the different people that, that work, that go through it, you see there are merchants. Uh, there's goldsmiths. Some that are rulers. Some that are perfumers. These aren't masons. These aren't carpenters. Uh, you, you see priests get involved. Uh, in this list, you see a man and his daughters. You know, I, I mean, I love that picture. I have three daughters. I'd love, I'd love to be part of that. And, and me and my three daughters are out building a wall, you know, for the glory of God. And through the list, you see many build the wall in front of their house. Some are so ambitious, they build and they finish, and they move on and they build another you know, I love these people that say yes to God. What is it that needs to get done? For many of these people, this was not their gifting. This was not their calling, but it was for that moment. You know, we meet these people in church that come in and go, what's needed? I want to get involved. I, I love that heart. They're saying yes to God before they know the need. The difference in this is those who go, I need to fit in an exact thing. You know, my gifting is teaching, and so the only thing I can do is teach. I, I can't serve. I can't do kids. I can't make coffee, any of that, because I'm a teacher. You know, that's not God's way. Really, he's going to lead us to go, where can we serve? And then God willing, as we're faithful, he leads us into those areas where we're strongest, you know, where our holy discontent, our gifts can be used to the max. But our heart here is, God, where are you moving? We want to be involved in what you're doing. But here's a little warning, verse 5. You know, this is just talking about a group, but uh, says that next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Not everybody will get involved. Not everybody will hear a godly vision and say yes. Some here, they would not stoop to serve their Lord. They were about themselves. But guess what? Nehemiah and the rest of the workers, that didn't slow them down. They went anyway, and they got it done. And we're going to see as we go on, they completed this wall two and a half miles long in 52 days. Because why? God's work, God's hand was on the work. You know, so as we finish this up, you know, talking about articulating a vision again, what's our application? Well, I, I think there's two groups of us. Maybe you have a holy discontent and you're wrestling with, how can we go get this done? Go through this list. Articulate. You know, what's the problem? What's the solution? Why does it matter to God? And why is now the time? Be able to articulate that. Or if you're not involved serving, maybe you need to, to, to hear some of these visions. You know, where can I get involved? And get involved somewhere. If you're in an outpost group, maybe somebody in your group has a vision for something. And for now, God wants you just to come alongside and help accomplish something great. But again, we're following him. Look around. What is it that God would have you do right here and right now, because we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is what we're made for. Again, why? Because Jesus is worth it. Jesus died on the cross for us, and he rose from the dead. We now have life in him. It's secure no matter what. We are going to be with him for eternity. But for now, we have the joy and the privilege of working with him to accomplish great things. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you, I beg you, like I've been doing for weeks, show us what it is you want to accomplish through us. God, we do have big visions as a church. We want to see other churches planted. 
Uh, we, we live in a community that's 90 to 95% unchurched. We are not okay with that. I don't think you're okay with that. Change that situation. Raise us up to make a difference there. Raise up the other churches in our communities and the people in those churches to go into the city, to go into these communities and make a difference for you. And I ask that you'll draw many to you. God, that you'll heal marriages, that parents uh, will be godly parents, that kids will grow up knowing and loving you. There's so much that you would like us to do, you wanna do through us, and we say yes. We say yes, and again, we know and we're grateful that we're not earning a place with you through this. But this is just an overflow of us loving you because you first loved us and you bought us to be with you. We love you. And God, I, I ask one more thing. Let us get together next week. If it's your will, please let us get together and gather and worship as a group again. In Jesus' name, amen.